0: It's been a while since you've seen me out in the race course. A lot of people are starting to wonder where I've been at. Uh, My last race was Challenge Miami in March, and I've been a little bit of a ghost, a little bit on the sidelines since. Well, it turns out I actually had a heart attack during the race at Challenge Miami, and this is the story of that event.
1: Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Tri Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Sankoff, the Tri-Doc, an emergency physician, triathlon coach, and multiple Ironman finisher coming to you from beautiful, sunny Denver, Colorado. By now, you've no doubt heard the news of what happened to professional triathlete Tim O'Donnell, the American who finished second at the Ironman World Championships in 2019 and had not really been seen very much since his disappointing performance at the Challenge event in Miami this past March. Well, O'Donnell released an incredibly personal video on YouTube last Friday in which he explained his long absence from racing and really any kind of public appearances. It turns out that during the race in March, he had suffered a heart attack, and the aftermath of that, along with his recovery and the psychological impact it had on him and his family, were the real reason for his prolonged decreased visibility. In the aftermath of that announcement, there's been an explosion of concern and anxiety both for Tim and amongst athletes and triathletes, especially, who suddenly found themselves wondering if they too might be susceptible to the same fate. Well, I immediately began reaching out to O'Donnell in an effort to get him to appear on this podcast, but to date, I haven't had any luck in getting any response from him or his representatives. I'll continue to try because I believe a conversation with the physician might go a long way to dispelling much of the fear and anxiety that this news has brought on. In the meantime, though, I wanted to do a special episode in which I'm going to address many of the questions that I have heard and seen on social media, along with the concerns that I've seen expressed about what this all means. Now, to help me explain this, I'm going to be joined a little bit later by an interventional cardiologist with a lot of experience treating high-level athletes. But for now, to begin, let me first address some of the common things that I've encountered since Tim made his announcement. I would say that probably the two most common things I've heard are, first, how could such a healthy guy suffer a heart attack? And second, how is it possible that he completed the event with such a condition? Now, I think first and foremost, it's really important that we distinguish between being healthy and being disease-free, because while it's important to be both, it's also possible to be just one of the two. Recently, when I interviewed Rocky Harris on this podcast, he made a comment at the end of our interview that, unfortunately, I had to cut because of time constraints. But given this week's events, I think now is a perfect time, perfect time to go back and include it, because it illustrates this concept perfectly. Here's what the CEO of USA Triathlon said to me at the time.
0: Although I do want to um, give, give a plug for, um, not for anything we're doing, but, you know, I, I've, I've focused on, uh, as in triathlete, a lot of times we think we're healthy because we exercise. And I just want to, you know, uh, let everyone know who, who doesn't that, you know, exercising is a key component, a key component to your overall health. And everybody knows that. Um, but what I found for me is has been even more important is my nutrition and really focused on my, my health and eating. And I'm somebody who grew up, my dad was a farmer. He, he became a coach, um, but we always just had meat, potatoes, vegetables. We always had well-rounded meals, but um, I found out uh, last year that I have coronary artery disease and as an athlete, somebody who's always been very healthy. And I found that out because I pushed for not just a basic exam. I pushed for, you know, to, to go a little bit deeper and find out a little bit more. And what I've done since then is I've changed my my eating habits. I've been trying to eat and I've eaten mostly plant based and my cholesterol has gone down 30 percent and everything. So I would just tell this is just a more of a, a public service announcement is, you know, if you're if you're an, a, an endurance athlete, we're all healthy. We're healthier than we look healthier than everyone around us. But really, it's critically important you go to the doctor and get a full checkup every year. And if you have any concerns about your, your heart, um, you should um, demand that you get further tests than just a basic EKG.
1: And yeah, they, it's they interesting you you're saying
0: that. By doing a basic test on me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you're saying that because I have discussed exactly that Uh, in the past. We've talked about because I have received questions on sudden death and triathlon. And that's obviously as there are more and more people in the older age groups participating, that is something that remains front of mind. And uh, I've discussed a lot about um, how important it is to be careful, and that just being fit doesn't necessarily mean you're free of any risk. Uh, And We know that when you're exercising at higher heart rates, there is a risk right there. And so that's why it's so important to know if you're uh, set up for anything. So thank you for that. Now, I don't agree with everything that Rocky said there, particularly the need to get a physical every year. However, the point that he made that you can be fit, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are disease-free is completely valid. And we need to be cognizant of that. Clearly, this is what happened to O'Donnell who is the picture of health and fitness, but all the same had serious, premature underlying coronary artery disease that was silent and undetected. And this is the case in many triathletes who, until they suffer a major event while racing, can also be similarly afflicted. But the major point here is that this is the minority and it's a tiny minority and that if you are maintaining a healthy lifestyle, eating well, and most importantly, paying attention to any abnormal symptoms, then you're most likely going to be fine. And I'm going to come back to this idea of paying attention to the abnormal symptoms because those abnormal symptoms can be subtle, but you still got to pay attention to them. We're going to come back to that with my guest in just a few short minutes. Now, the second thing that I've seen expressed frequently is shock or even doubt that O'Donnell could have possibly completed the event while having a heart attack. He says himself in the video, I mean, how could this chest pain be anything serious? I'm pushing 300 watts. Well, the reality is that Tim is such a high-performing athlete that even with his heart deprived of much of the oxygen that it needed and unable to pump blood at the effectiveness that it usually could, his cardiac output was still more than enough to sustain his effort, an effort that, while still far below his usual performance, was still significantly better than most of you or I would ever be able to do. So all of this leads me to my guest for today. Dr. Matt Holland is the director of interventional cardiology at Denver Health Medical Center and one of my colleagues. Uh, When a patient comes into the emergency department with chest pain, it's up to us in the emergency department to determine if they're having a heart attack, an occlusion of one of the coronary arteries. And when that is the case, it's up to me to quickly alert the interventional cardiologist who in many cases is Dr. Holland. Dr. Holland has been the director for the last four years. Uh, Before that, he had a uh, practice in Boulder, Colorado, where he worked for 23 years, seeing many patients who were very similar to Tim O'Donnell. And so he's joining me now to talk a little bit about what happened to Tim and to give a perspective from a cardiologist standpoint to what this means to the rest of us as age groupers and high-achieving triathletes. Thanks for joining me today, Matt. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jeff. So one of the first things I kind of want to get to, you know, there's in popular culture, there is a longstanding conflagration or confusion between heart attack and cardiac arrest. You know, you often see on television, people refer to a heart attack. And then the next thing, the next scene is people are doing CPR. So what's the difference between a heart attack and cardiac arrest? Yeah,
2: that uh, is a great question, I'm glad you started with that. Um, so a heart attack is a specific condition where one of the heart arteries, which are the three pipes that supply blood to the heart muscle, so they feed the heart muscle, where one of those becomes completely blocked, and part of the heart muscle is not getting any blood flow. And that can lead, in certain, certain uh, circumstances, to a cardiac arrest. But there are many other things that can cause a cardiac arrest as well. And a cardiac arrest, from a cardiologist's standpoint, is usually caused by some form of heart rhythm disturbance. Um, the most common associated with heart attacks is when the heart becomes uh, it begins to fibrillate, you get something called ventricular fibrillation, which again should not be confused with a more benign heart rhythm called atrial fibrillation, which is much more common. So cardiac arrest, which requires CPR, is due to lack of circulation and frequently due to a heart rhythm problem, which can be
1: caused by a heart attack. Right. So some heart attacks lead to cardiac arrest. Many do not. And cardiac arrest can be caused by heart attacks, but it can also be caused by other things. Okay. Um, Heart attack is also known as myocardial infarction. Infarction being the death of tissue, myocardium being the heart tissue. So uh, from now on, we will refer to heart attacks as myocardial infarction or MI. So how common or how rare are MIs in young people, like Tim O'Donnell, who's in his 30s?
2: Well, they're certainly uncommon, but they have, for reasons that are not, clearly, not clear, have become more frequent in the last decade. Um, typically, uh, the person who has an MI, uh, when it's a man, it's usually someone middle age or older, and for a woman, it's usually even older than that. Usually, uh, we don't see them until age 60 or beyond. Certainly, there are risk groups such as diabetics and smokers, um, people with very strong family history and cholesterol or lipid disorders who can have heart attacks younger. Uh, There seems to be, you know, a more uh, prevalence, a greater prevalence of heart attacks in young people, but it is still rare.
1: And can you give me a, a I mean, if you think about a hundred heart attacks, how many of them will, a uh, hundred men who sustain a, a myocardial infarction, how many of them will be men in their thirties? Oh, uh, two Two. Okay. So so really a small, a tiny fraction of the overall heart disease is represented. So that gives us a good sense. So uh, Tim O'Donnell, obviously very unfortunate, but not only that, we we haven't heard the whole story, but I'm beginning to hear rumors that there's something else going on with him, that he has some kind of genetic predisposition. uh, uh, um, Either it's a hypercholesterolemia or something to do with his coronary arteries that made him predisposed to this silent lesion that then resulted in the myocardial infarction that he sustained. Uh, that that obviously would be an explainer as to why he was likely to suffer this, I imagine.
2: Oh, ab- absolutely. Uh, you need to have, I mean, there are various reasons the heart artery can get blocked. Um, but my understanding in his case and the majority of the cases that I have seen in you know young athletes who have had a true heart attack. it's due to something called plaque rupture, which is <clears throat> where there is some cholesterol plaque or lipid plaque within the wall of the blood vessel that <clears throat> breaks open. It's got a little cap on top of it, almost like a scab over a um a wound, and if that breaks open and a blood clot forms there. Uh, the blood flow in the artery can uh, be reduced or actually stop, and someone can have a heart attack. So you need to have a predisposition to plaque first before you would have plaque rupture. I mean, there are other rare causes of heart attacks without plaque rupture uh, that can occur in young people. There's something called SCAD, which is... um, spontaneous coronary artery dissection. That's much more common in in, uh, premenopausal or perimenopausal women. Um, I don't know of any sort of data that would suggest uh, athletes are at particularly higher risk. You know, there are certain congenital abnormalities uh, where you're born, where the arteries are in Uh, a different location uh, that can occur um, and those can precipitate more that cardiac arrest from arrhythmia rather than a true heart attack. Um, But, you know, to have a a true heart attack with plaque rupture, you need to have some plaque first. And to get plaque that's going to rupture when you're in your 30s you generally would have a lipid disorder or something else going on like long-standing poorly controlled diabetes.
1: And and that really is a reassurance, uh, for, and that should be taken as a reassurance for anybody who's looking at this and thinking, oh my gosh, if this happened to him, it could happen to me because that's probably not the case unless you too are so afflicted with this kind of lipid disorder. Now, now that he's been stented, he's been seen by an interventional cardiologist. He's had a stent placed, uh, presumably they've looked at his other coronaries to make sure that he doesn't have any problems in those. And if they did, he would have obviously been stented there. What's his prognosis for making a return and uh, being uh, healthy uh, without further incidents, if he wanted to return to a professional triathlon?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I think that's, there are two parts to look at. Uh, first of all, you know, I'm unaware, you know, whether he, suffered significant damage to his heart muscle. Um, you know, if he had significant damage to his heart muscle, um, he might not be able to return to the levels of, uh, fitness and competition that he had before, but he still would probably be more fit and active than 99.99% of, uh, of Americans. Um, if there is no significant heart muscle damage and I've taken care of a number of athletes over the years who, you know, had close calls and got stented and uh, did not have heart significant heart muscle damage, his uh, ability to return to full level of activity is, is excellent. The second part of that is, you know, what's going to prevent this from happening again? You know, if, uh, and that's, Uh, to those of us who take care of people who are at risk for heart attacks or have had heart attacks, you know, our biggest goal is to ever uh, prevent that from ever happening again or uh, prevent it from occurring in the first place. And that's uh, what we do is we identify, you know, the risk factors for why that occurred and then manage those risk factors. And if it's a lipid disorder, we are now able to, you know, we're really good at taking care of these genetic or you know predisposition of lipid disorders um, or what we would call high cholesterol, even though it's not truly just high cholesterol. And that's usually with medication. I mean, when when I was practicing in Boulder, you know, my patients ate well, they exercised, they were not overweight, they didn't smoke. Um, you know, so there was very little to modify with regard to lifestyle. Um, And uh, so it's mainly with medication. The medication are very well tolerated and people can be very active and lead a normal life.
1: I I want to clarify something that Tim said in his video, and I don't think this was his fault at all. I think it was just a a communication issue between him and his cardiologist. He refers to his heart attack involving a widowmaker lesion. And um, now it, it requires a little bit of an anatomy lesson. So just for my listeners, the coronary arteries come off of the aorta before they permeate into the myocardium or the heart. And the main vessel on the left side of the heart is called the left main, which then splits into the circumflex artery and the LAD or the left anterior descending, which then goes on to further split into other arteries. Tim Tim O'Donnell's lesion was a proximal or high level LAD left anterior descending lesion, which is a very significant lesion because if you block the LAD, that's a big problem. The widowmaker lesion, though, Doctor Holland is usually referred to as something that occludes the left main. Is that not correct?
2: Yes, that you know, from a physician standpoint, that's where we sort of always uh, were taught was the widowmaker was when the left main is occluded, essentially, you know, everyone's arteries are a little bit different, but essentially two thirds of the heart blood flow uh, are cut off. And that uh, is very difficult to survive for various reasons, unless you're really lucky. Um, And it's also very rare because the left main is quite short. So just, you know, you would have to get a, a plaque rupture in just the right location for the left main to, uh, to occlude. Um, and very few of the patients who make it and survive to get to the hospital to get a stent uh, have a left main occlusion uh, because it's uh, usually associated with uh, sudden death and quote-unquote the widow maker. I think over the last, I don't know, decade, Um, more and more people have begun to refer to these proximal or, uh, early, uh, in the course of the LAD as the widow maker. They're both bad. (laughs) People survive the, you know, we see a lot of proximal LAD, uh, myocardial infarctions and need to stent those, um, very few left main. Um, so I think mainly it's probably the fault of the doctors wanting to sort of, Um, Get the praise of their patients saying, Oh, yeah, I saved you from the widow maker.
1: Right. Um, Maybe
2: that's how it changed over time.
1: Yeah, and 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 to be very clear, this is not a criticism of Tim at all. Uh, clearly, he was told that, and that and that's not a criticism of him at all. But 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 the left anterior descending lesion that he had is much more survivable than the left main lesion, which is the one that has the twelve percent survivability that he referred to when he was talking in his video. Okay, so Dr. Holland, I I I think like a really important take home message here, and I I played a clip earlier in the podcast from from Rocky Harris, who's the CEO of USA Triathlon. And we talked a little bit uh, about screening. And I have done podcasts earlier in my series of podcasts where I've talked about the futility of screening. However, we know that uh, there are people who should be screened, uh, especially if they're going to be taking part in triathlon, which is a long distance endurance events. So who are the kinds of people that should be considered or should be considering going to their physician and asking for a cardiac screening before they continue in triathlon or even begin uh, training and and racing in triathlon?
2: Yeah, um, that's another great question. And I think there is clearly futility for certain screening. I mean, putting a asymptomatic triathlete on a treadmill um, is not gonna give us a whole lot of information uh and you know some people consider that screening, but I think the the most important is you know number one, if somebody's having symptoms, so if they're noting exertional uh symptoms, they should you know talk to their physician chest discomfort, jaw discomfort, shortness of breath your your split times and things are are uh getting slower and slower, and you don't have a good explanation for it. Um, but if you're asymptomatic, you know, what I always used to tell my, uh, patients in Boulder was that, um, you know, it's great to exercise, you know, there's lots of data to support exercise, but it is, it does not all of a sudden make you immune from your family history. And, um, if someone has a family history, especially, in first degree relatives so parents siblings or there's a strong family history sort of in your second degree relatives your grandparents aunts uncles cousins of heart attack at a young age or cardiovascular disease or you know that you have high cholesterol and you might have you know felt that you know being Uh, athletic and uh, watching your diet, you still should talk to your doctor about that.
1: I think that is so critical. I have mentioned many, many times how important it is to pay attention to your body and really note those kinds of symptoms that can often seem maybe minor as feeling more short of breath than usual, certainly chest pain, jaw pain, those have to be taken seriously. And we heard Tim himself talk in his video about how he had this crushing chest pain that he just couldn't fathom would be related to his heart. And that's completely understandable. But many of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast If they have those kinds of symptoms, they need to take it seriously. But one of the things that you mentioned, and you mentioned it to me at one point about seeing an athlete in Boulder who came to you just saying how – his times is his, either his power output on the bike or his times on the run were just, he wasn't able to generate the kind of speed that he usually was, had no explanation for it at all. And sure enough, when you went in and took a look, he had advanced coronary artery disease that otherwise was not presenting with any other symptoms. And, and that is the kind of subtle symptoms that athletes need to be on the lookout for. And I think that's an incredibly important point. And as far as I'm concerned, the main take-home message from this whole experience needs to be that On the whole, triathletes don't need to worry about this being extremely common, certainly not in men or women in their 30s, but that if they are coming from a family history, certainly in first-degree relatives, as you said, if they're known to have high lipid levels uh, or high cholesterol levels, then they should consider getting screening, and if they don't, then it's being aware and following For any kinds of symptoms. And those Mm -hmm. symptoms don't have to be chest pain. They can be things like just changes in their times or speeds. Fair enough. Is that uh, pretty much uh, what you would sort of say is kind of the take home?
2: I think that is great. And I think that, you know, yeah, people don't need to worry that this, because this happened to someone who is, uh, you know, truly an elite athlete, uh, worry that it's going to happen to them. I think just be aware and, you know, And understand that, you know, if you do have uh, hyperlipidemia and your physician is talking to you about medication for that, um, there's good reason for it and and consider it strongly.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much. Dr. Matt Holland, the Director of Interventional Cardiology at Denver Health. I can't thank you enough for joining me to talk about this really important subject and uh, I really appreciate your time. No, I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Take care, Jeff. So there you have it. I can't really think of any better way or more concise way to really kind of put a bow on this whole subject. Clearly, what happened to Tim O'Donnell is a terrible thing and was nearly very tragic. Fortunately, This was not the case. He was able to uh, sustain uh, the very dangerous event that was happening to him and uh, eventually able to get to medical care and have the uh, problem treated in a way that will hopefully allow him to return to professional triathlon uh, as soon as possible. Now, we don't know for sure what the uh, level of damage was to his heart, and I imagine that he will be forthcoming with that. As I said, I continue to try and reach out to him and his representatives in the hopes that he will join me here on this podcast and perhaps give us some uh, insight as to where things stand uh, with him on that. But clearly, I'm sure that he will be the first to say that when something like this happens, a return to professional triathlon is possibly not the most important thing uh, that he's considering at this point. Uh, He wants to be there for his children, for his wife, and getting almost a second chance at life uh, is, is really the way he's probably feeling right now. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he takes a prolonged break just wanting to relish the renewed sense of life that he has right now, and as well he should. So for the rest of us, while we can continue to send him great thoughts and uh, you know wishes for a speedy recovery and a return to whatever sort of triathlon life that he decides he wants to have, I think that as we've heard in the course of this podcast, we don't need to be overly concerned that this affects us unless we have a strong family history or a strong predilection for heart disease. Or we've been feeling some kind of symptoms that maybe we haven't been paying attention to and now, given Tim's experience and maybe some things that you've heard on this podcast, you may want to consider that now is the time to go see your physician and make sure that you get yourself screened. I certainly hope that if anybody listening is one of those people, maybe you've been having some vague symptoms, your times aren't right, your power's not right, you're having some little short of breath that you can't explain, and maybe you've been putting it off or, or not considering it. I'm hopeful that. Listening to this, you will now take advantage of the fact that you need to take it seriously and you will go ahead and get it checked out and avoid any potential problems going further, going forward. At the very least, find out that it's nothing and be reassured and know that you can push yourself to your limits without being concerned for any heart problems. That's all I've got for you on this special episode of the TriDark Podcast. Well, I'll be back again next week with my regular episode in which I will continue my series on treatments that are not the standard for uh, injuries. Uh, In addition, I'll have another interview with another person in the world of multi-sport. And uh, if you enjoyed this bonus episode, I hope that you will consider becoming a Patreon subscriber over at my Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash podcast, where you can find lots of other bonus content. And coming up on August the 30th, there will actually be a live Zoom lecture given by me on the science of tapering that will apply not just to triathlon, but to any endurance event that you might be having. So for now, that's it for this episode. My name, of course, is Jeff Sankoff. I'm the TriDoc. It's been a pleasure talking to you. If you have any questions about or comments about anything that you've heard on this episode, please don't hesitate to send it to me at tri-doc at icloud.com. And remember, as always, train hard, train healthy.